Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh, dearest respected brothers and sisters, dearest viewers, wherever you may be. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. And when they entered from where their father had ordered them, it did not avail them against Allah at all, except it was a need within the soul of Jacob, which he satisfied. And indeed, he was a possessor of knowledge because of what he, we had taught him, but most of the people do not know. And when they entered upon Joseph, he took his brother to himself. He said, indeed, I am your brother, so do not despair of what they used to do to me. Last night, alhamdulillah, we looked at the life of Prophet Lord The community around him, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah And the indecency that they were committing at that time Inshallah, if you haven't watched those episodes Then please go back on our YouTube and Facebook And watch those there as they will be uploaded But please do continue following us on this Ramadan special by watching us live on our YouTube and Facebook, any IPTV, your iOS and Android apps. Tonight, inshallah, we'll be looking at the life of Prophet Yaqub and Prophet Yusuf But before we do that, I'd like to take the time out to once again thank the viewers for all the continuous support, the positive feedback, positive messages coming into the studio, to the Sayyid, and much, much more. But if you do have a question, then please do send them in or call in on 0203-515-0199. I am your host, Minhal Khafaji, and tonight's discussion, Prophet Yaqub and Prophet Yusuf with Dr. Sayyid Aman Akshawani. Sayyidna, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. Very well. Now, Sayyidna, Ahsan al-Qasas. As we know, Surah Yusuf starts with, uh, with that verse. Is it not one of the most, if not the most wonderful story in the Qur'an? Well, if you're being described as Ahsan al-Qasas, then you look at who's describing you as the best of stories. And when it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying it's the best of stories that we're about to tell you, O Prophet of God, then no doubt it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful story for all of us to benefit from in our lives. I haven't come across anybody who has not benefited in one way or the other from the story of Prophet Yusuf I think it's probably the easiest story in the Holy Quran to benefit from. There aren't many other stories that you can necessarily have as many valuable lessons in your life be you young or be you old, Muslim or non-Muslim, like the story of Joseph السلام, And it helps when the whole story is in one chapter. Mm -hmm. You see, when we come to Nabi Musa السلام, Nabi Musa, his story in the Holy Quran goes across a number of chapters. Yeah. One minute you find his story in Surah Al-Qasas, the next minute you find his story, for example, in... In, in Surah, let's say, 40 of the Qur'an, and Taha. There's many other story uh, chapters where his story jumps from place to place. But the story of Nabi Yusuf السلام, is all within Surah 12 of the Holy Qur'an. So when it's all within Surah 12 of the Holy Qur'an, what we find is that you have the clear narrative. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of having to go to Shu'ara and A'raf and come back to An'am and... You know, then jump back to Ra'ad and go back to, for example, uh, 
Talaq, no, you've got one surah and it tells you from zero to literally hero. Mm -hmm. From the beginning of his life, the trials that he faces. If you're young, you can relate to the nine-year-old Yusuf. Mm -hmm. If you're a teenager, you can relate to Yusuf and Zulaikha. If you're someone who wants to enter economics and politics, you can relate to Yusuf being the treasurer or the agriculture minister in the land of Mm -hmm. um, Egypt, for example. And then if you want to enter the world of politics, you begin to ask yourself how much justice you can establish as a king of a certain land. Uh, but also for those of us who have questions concerning uh, family relations, it's a wonderful story to benefit from. You can have in one family people who adore you, and you can have in one family people who are so jealous of you. Mm -hmm. So with all of this, you have prison involved, you've got, got crucifixions, you've got famines, you've got people who haven't seen each other for years, you've got blindness. You know, it's just got everything. Yeah, sure. And I think that's why the film on Nabi Yusuf done so well, mm -hmm. that, you know, when, when that film was seen by so many people, it related to so many people's lives. And when it related to all these people's lives, you found that many people were inspired by this film simply because whether you were young or you were old, all audiences could relate to it. Now Sayyidina, in every other episode that we've done on the Prophets of Allah, we said that uh, every story of any Prophet relates to the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him and his family. So what was happening in the life of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him and his family, that made Allah reveal the verses and the story of Yaqub and Yusuf? It's, it's a great question because any, any story that you see within the Holy Quran, the first question you got to ask yourself is, why is Surat Yusuf being revealed to the Prophet, peace be upon his family, at that time? Just imagine that we're living in, in, in Mecca, mm -hmm. and you're an early Muslim in Meccan society, trying to follow this Prophet. What exactly is this story going to help with? Well, what it's really telling the Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family, is you're going through difficulties with the Quraysh. Mm -hmm. You're going through hardships. They're accusing you of all sorts. And yet, remain patient like Yusuf and Yaqub. Mm. Follow their example. For they faced many trials and they faced many tribulations. But they continued to look forward and have that trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I think that's the beautiful thing about this story, because it comes at this really important point for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family, where he's contemplating migration. Yusuf had to migrate. Yep. You know, you're in the land of Canaan one day, you have to go towards the land of Egypt another. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family, has got people around him who are family members who are envious, mm -hmm. like Abu Lahab. Yusuf had family members who are envious. So there's so much in the story which is helping console the Holy Prophet in those years in Mecca. Mm -hmm. And so when the whole story is revealed, Allah's telling him, there were those who came before you who went through difficulties. You want to know who went through a lot? Just look at the story of Yusuf and Yaqub. Ahsan. And um, we mentioned two nights ago that Prophet Ishaq السلام, was mm. the father of Prophet Yaqub. Mm. What did Prophet Ishaq السلام, do to ensure that people knew his successor was Prophet Yaqub. They would normally have this sort of, um, what could we call it today, like a hirz. Mm -hmm. You know, um, sometimes people will wear uh, a hirz, either a ring 
or some will call it an Imam Dhamin or an Imam Zamin, and that would be passed on from Prophet to Prophet. Okay. And within there would be what was left for them from the time of Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salam. And likewise, he would make an announcement to those who were around him. Nabi Ishaq made the announcement that my son, Ya'qub, whose other name was Israel, hence we have Bani Israel. Yep. He would make the announcement to the people around him that this person, he is my successor. So the people were all aware <laughs> in that land where they were. They were in Hebron, um, in, the, in the land of Canaan. Those people were aware that Nabi Ya'qub alayhi salam is the prophet for mankind at that time. So I'm guessing he was living in the same place or did he live anywhere else? No, they were living, they were living near the graves of their ancestors. Mm. So they were living near the graves of Nabi Ibrahim. Because people ask, you mentioned Nabi Ibrahim, you mentioned Sarah, you mentioned Lut, where, do, where are they all buried? And they're all buried in the Hebron area. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that becomes a holy area where prophets of Allah had lived. Yeah. Now, how many wives did Prophet Ya'qub have? Prophet Ya'qub would say four wives he had. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, these ladies, not necessarily married to four at the same time. We must make this clear. There is an opinion where something that Nabi Ya'qub was married to four of them at the same time. No, it seems that after one passes away, he marries the second. If that one has passed away, he'd marry the third. And the one that he marries, which is Yusuf's mom, uh, Yusuf and his brother Binyamin, in English, Joseph and Benjamin, come from the same mother by the name of Rachel. Mm -hmm. Okay, So Rachel, the, that mother, wife of Nabi Yaqub, whereas the other brothers of Yusuf were spread over the other mothers. Now, we see a lot of attack on the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him and his family, for having nine wives. Mm. Whereas you find that that's the norm in biblical prophets. Yeah, yeah, no, biblical prophets, nine wasn't enough in all honesty. I'm surprised really? when people say your Muhammad was a pedophile or your Muhammad was a, a man of lust. You look at when we come to some of the biblical stories, not only do they pervert some personalities who Islam would never pervert, like Lot sleeping with his daughters, but also you have stories of, uh, you know, David, when we're going to come to his story, how he, he, sends, um, he sends a general to war so he dies so that he could sleep with his wife. Or that Suleiman had more than 300 uh, wives at one time. So yeah, those who are saying that, you know, Muhammad is a man who's uh, a man of lust because he has nine, the Bible gives some prophets a lot more than nine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that 300 figure just reminded me of the accusations that come towards Imam al-Hasan salam. But as you rightfully mentioned, he was known as uh, Israel. Does this truly mean, as in, in Genesis 32, it says that he wrestled with God? Yeah, they say that Nabi Ya'qub salam was known as Israel, uh, you know, because of the fact that he had this struggle with God. Mm -hmm. um, in the Bible, it says that Jacob wrestled God. Okay. Uh, firstly, putting God in a human form. Secondly, why Jacob is wrestling God. You know, some say struggling with God. Mm -hmm. We could translate Israel as struggling in God's way. A servant of God who struggles in God's way. Mm -hmm. But the biblical version that Nabi Ya'qub alayhi salam 
you know, his name is Israel because of the wrestling match that he has with God is something we reject completely. There is no such thing, firstly, as anybody who is able to perceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. As the Quran says, <clears throat> لا تدركه الأبصار وهو يدرك الأبصار Vision cannot perceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not in this world, nor in the hereafter. Because there's some schools in Islam that say that we can see God in the hereafter. We may not be able to see God now, but we'll see God on the day of judgment. And we reply by saying that no. Even on the day of judgment, you cannot see God. Because of the famous ayah in the Quran, when Moses asks on behalf of the children of Israel, and the Quran replies, Len tarani. You will never be able to see, to see me. me. Yeah. Because this len is for ta'bid, forever. There is no way. So the idea that Nabi Yaqub is called Israel because he wrestles with God is something we reject completely. Mm-hmm. Rather we say that Israel refers to meaning the servant of God or one who struggles in the way of God rather than struggling with God. Mm-hmm. Now Sayyidina, as we, both me and you know that the whole point of this series is to take lessons from the lives of the prophets and apply them into our life today. Now, are there any lessons from the life of Prophet Ya'qub that we can particularly apply in this holy month, the holy month of Ramadan? Yeah, Nabi Ya'qub one thing he was renowned for mm-hmm. was his hospitality. He used to love <clears throat> to feed the poor of the community. This, you know, people ask us Muslims, why do you fast? Mm. And truly fasting humbles us. Because we sometimes as human beings do not appreciate how difficult it is in this world for the majority of people. Not everybody lives as comfortable a life as we live. Not everybody has the luxuries that we have. Therefore, when we fast, it's in the hope of number one, showing thankfulness, humility and some sort of empathy with the poor in the world who cannot even look forward to their next meal. Yeah. So therefore, when people ask this question about Nabi Ya'qub, Nabi Ya'qub used to love to feed the poor. Mm. And there's something which we have in Iraq where we always talk of the dhabiha. Yes. You know, a person always says that I want to do a dhabiha for the family. I want to do a dhabiha for warding off evil. Mm. Nobody used to love a dhabiha like Nabi Ya'qub He would love to slaughter a sheep in the way of God, mm. and then give out the food to everybody. He'd make an announcement, those of you who have not eaten, come to our house. There are sometimes people that I call them, come home. Whenever yeah. they see you, they're like, bro, please come home. Yeah. Please come and eat at home. And if ever you want to see a personality who was the king of the come home, it was Nabi Yaqub mm. All the prophets, mind you. We saw in the story of yeah. Nabi Ibrahim, he loved to get that roast ready mm-hmm. you know, for his guests. And that's one unique feature of a mu'min. And that is their generosity. Let me make something clear. There are a lot of people out there who talk of generosity, but some of them are the stingiest people you'll ever find. Mm. They'll tell Muslims all these hadiths, you know. They'll talk of the hadiths that a person should be sakhi and the idea of sakhawat and, you know, we should all be people who are generous and kareem. They are the stingiest humans you'll find on this earth. And then there are those, no, they're very generous. They love to give away. Mm. They find it an honor, for example, to pay for someone's meal. They find it an honor, for example, to invite guests and to be ready to serve those guests. Mm -hmm. They find it an honor to be in a situation where they're able to help others. 
let's stop the lip service out there of people who talk of generosity, mm -hmm. but don't donate, only take. Mm -hmm. All they do is take. Whatever handout, they're the first sharks to go yep. and eat it. Yep. Rather, please try and have more in the Muslim community who are people of generosity in every meaning of the word. Mm. You know, sometimes I've been to fundraisers where I've seen people talk of generosity. And I look at the person, I'm like, you're the stingiest human I've ever seen. You sweat when a bill comes. And now you're telling people that they should donate. So there's a lot of, um, you know, I've got to be polite and I am fasting, so I won't, you know, you, there's a lot of nonsense out there when it comes to mm. generosity. When it comes to Nabi Yaqub, there was no nonsense. Nabi Yaqub, when it comes to generosity, was the finest. And his sons admired their father's generosity. Now, Prophet Yaqub had multiple sons. Um, Prophet Yusuf was very dear to him. Now, some may say that it was favoritism, but we see in chapter 12, verse 8, it says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, when they said, Joseph and his brothers are more beloved to our father than we, Joseph and his brother, sorry, not brothers, are more beloved to our father than we, while we are a clan, indeed our father is in a clear error. Can you favor some of your children over others? In Islam, the aim is to treat everybody fairly. Hmm. Favoritism, if done in the wrong way, is not allowed. But there is nothing wrong with favoring. No. I remember Muhammad ibn Qais asking Imam al-Baqir on this question. That, you know, people have children. Mm -hmm. Is it okay to favor? And Imam said there is no problem in favoring one child over the other. But when you're favoring, A, be just and fair. Mm -hmm. Meaning that I could favor one child above the other, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to oppress another child. Nabi yes. Yaqub, even if he favors Nabi Yusuf, it's because he knows that Nabi Yusuf, السلام, there is a particular divine covenant mm. between Nabi Yusuf السلام, and who? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sure. When Nabi Yusuf السلام, tells him, Father, I see the moon and the sun and the stars prostrating before me. Mm -hmm. Moon, sun, stars, inanimate becomes animate. He's already doing ta'wil of the ayahs of the Quran at the age of nine. Mm. You know, we say that Nabi Yusuf, السلام, Nabi, uh, Yusuf knew he was a prophet of Allah at the age of nine. Okay. And so... At that age of nine, some people were thinking, well, maybe these, this Yusuf is favored. Favoring is not haram. Let's mm. make that clear. As I said, Muhammad bin Qais asks Imam al-Baqir. But we, as parents, should try our hardest to be just and fair. Mm. And that there has to be no oppression. Never would Nabi Yaqub, for example, say, let Nabi Yusuf eat and all of you will starve to death. No. no. Or let Nabi Yusuf go out and all of you have to stay at home. No. Mm. Um, and as they say, it swings in roundabouts. One day you're favored, the next day your sister's favored, the next day your brother's favored, the next day you're favored. It does swing in roundabouts. Mm. But there isn't anything haram. I've seen a couple of traditions. You know, we have certain books, Wasail al Shia, Mustadrak al Wasail al Wafi, for example. Within al Wafi, there are traditions which show clearly that there is nothing wrong with favoring, according to the Imams of Ahlul Bayt, 
as long as the person doesn't oppress in any way or go against Islamic law in any way. Now, you mentioned the ayah of uh, Prophet Yusuf knowing that him being a prophet. And it says um, in chapter 12, verse 4, it says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. And of these stories mentioned when Joseph said to his father, O oh my father, indeed I have seen in a dream 11 stars and the sun and the moon, I saw them prostrating to me. Now, did Prophet Yusuf السلام, as it says in the Bible, um, brag to his brothers about this? Yeah, the biblical story we reject. Mm. Never would a prophet of Allah brag or gloat in front of his brother and says, Ha ha, I'm the prophet, you guys are all rubbish, not at all. The Bible mm -hmm. makes it seem like Joseph was gloating in front of others. Whereas the Holy Quran, on the contrary, and even in the world of hadith, Nabi Yusuf was as humble and as upright an individual from that young age that you could see. Mm -hmm. So never should we have, and that's why sometimes I make it clear that people say, well, the Quran is just a copy of the Bible. No, the Quran has certain stands which completely oppose the biblical version of a story. And this is one of them, that the Quran makes it clear there is no such thing that Nabi Yusuf and the hadiths make it clear, there's no such thing that Nabi Yusuf is somebody who goes to his brothers and says, I was given Nabu and you weren't. Not at all. Mm. Nabi Yusuf has conversation with his father and his father makes it clear to him that don't reveal everything now, knowing that some of these brothers are not at the level of Iman that he's on. Now, we see that with the story, envy strikes. Now, saying that brothers who grew up with each other, how do we avoid this? Especially when, you know, I, I wouldn't want to grow up to despise my own brother. Because in chapter 12, verse 5, uh, Prophet Yaqub says to Prophet Yusuf, السلام, says, he said, Oh my son, do not relate your vision to your brothers, or they will contrive against you a plan. Indeed, Satan to man is a manifest enemy. I, I think, you know, the moment Nabi Yaqub realizes that Nabi Yusuf has seen this dream, he knows... He knows very well that there are some of these brothers, not all are on the same level, I must admit. There are some who are extremely bad, there are some who are medium. It's very normal in every family. But Nabi Yaqub does tell his son, he makes it clear to his son that look, don't reveal everything. Because when shaitan begins to plot, he can destroy the best of families. How many times have you seen that there are brothers who don't speak to each other, who were best friends when they were younger? Yeah. There are sisters who don't speak to each other, who were best friends when they were younger. Never ever imagine that you are too great for shaitan to affect you. Never imagine that you're too powerful. And that's why you find that when the envy got to them, they started to think to themselves, you know what, what should we do to him? The same way Qabil didn't have a problem with killing his own brother, mm -hmm. they started amongst each other saying that, you know what, he seems favored by our dad. He's now talking of the fact, because it seems that one brother told the rest of them, I heard him say this, okay. that he's seen a dream and dad said to him, don't say anything. And you've got the other brothers who are now saying, what should we do? This is ridiculous. The tension rises. A person with no taqwa, no God consciousness in their life, will take advantage of this. Mm -hmm. And what do they do at that moment? They plot amongst each other that, listen, let's tell our dad that we want to take him out, you know, just to go and play. And over there, we kill him. One of them said, what are you guys trying about? You're going to kill your own younger brother. Like Nabi Yusuf hadn't even reached 10, 11 years of age. Subhanallah. And he had said, you guys actually want to kill him? Then one of them says, look, look, forget killing him. We'll go back to our father. I will say to him that, look, here's his shirt 
Clearly a wolf has eaten him. We'll sell him. There are many caravans heading from the land of Hebron towards Egypt. Yeah. So what we'll do is the best thing is let's sell him. Look at the lack of God consciousness here. There is no concept of the day of resurrection, the day of judgment. There's a day I'm going to be made accountable. Uh, Imam al-Jawad used to always say, don't be friends of Allah in public and enemies of Allah in private. Mm -hmm. You know, there's got to be a recognition that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching my every move. Mm -hmm. But when you lack that taqwa, you lack that God consciousness, there's no limit to what you'll do. And truly there was no limit to what they were doing because now they had reached that stage where they're like, you know what, that's it. Let's go and do this. And they end up coming back home. And this would be the last time that Nabi Yaqub sees Nabi Yusuf for years. Mm. And the worst feeling for any parent is their missing child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you remember, uh, I think maybe over 10 years ago, there was a story of Madeleine McCann. Yes. yes. And the Madeleine McCann story caused uproar everywhere because mm. people were saying how difficult was it for a mother, for a father to know that their child's missing. So now what you had is that these people decided with no feeling whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Not even thinking our dad's a good man. This is our younger brother. The human being, when they want to be ruthless, it doesn't matter if someone's their brother. They'll destroy their life. Mm. And they come back with a shirt to their dad. And they're like to their dad, um, Dad, we've got some bad news. So what is it? Said, um, and truly, lying is the key to all sins. You want to see all so sins? They begin with a lie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they come back and they're like, Dad, you know, we've got bad news. What's the bad news? Says, um, our brother's got eaten by the wolf. Here's his shirt. Now, you know, these days, if we want to put blood on a shirt for a film, we need to catch up or something. Yeah, some it's sort easy. So they put something on the shirt. They've given it to the dad. And they're like, Dad, the wolf ate him. He's like, um, it's a bit surprising that a wolf eats a human but keeps his shirt in good condition. <laughs> Listen, bro, if a wolf eats me, my shirt ain't coming back. That shirt's getting ripped. Yep. That shirt's getting munched. That shirt's getting destroyed. Tashrib right there. But tashrib all the way? Bro, yeah. this is gone. <laughs> and these guys all think, subhanAllah, shaitan reaches that level where he's telling you, Listen, don't worry, just tell this to your dad. Yeah. Poor Yusuf has been thrown in a well, by a well. And he's been thrown in this area. Why is he being thrown in this area? Thrown in this area so that one of the caravans from Egypt is able to come and is able to take him take towards him. Egypt. And they end up selling him for a paltry sum. Who sells him for a paltry sum? Not his brothers. The caravan yeah, ends yeah. up selling Nabi Yusuf 20 silver coins. Nabi Yaqub is in despair, in which sense in despair? Not in the sense of sinfulness, but so sad as to what's happened. Mm -hmm. And his poor son has now been sold to the Aziz of Egypt, the treasurer of Egypt and his wife Zulaykha for a paltry sum of 20 silver pieces. Mm -hmm. If Nabi Yusuf salam, thought that's the only trial, there's a big one coming up in the house where he's going to be employed. Ahsan Sayyidna, thank you very much for the first part of discussing the life of Prophet Yaqub and Prophet Yusuf Do keep your questions coming in brothers and sisters and stay tuned. We're just gonna go for a short break. Inshallah, we'll be back. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh.
Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, brothers and sisters and respected viewers wherever you are. Thank you for joining us for the second part of Live in London with Dr. Sayyid Amman Akhshawani as we discuss the life of Prophet Yaqub and Prophet Yusuf Now Sayyidina, before the break you mentioned that um, Prophet Yusuf was thrown near a well and the Aziz family came and took him. How long did he live in the house of Aziz? So what happens is that the caravan which goes to Egypt ends up selling him. The Aziz, who was married to the most beautiful lady in Egypt at the time by the name of Zuleikha. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they take him in at a very young age, you know. Um, and he's a servant in their house. And they really spoiled him in every which way possible. Uh, they really treated him as like their own. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's in their house for nine years. Now, if you come to their house at the age of 9, 10, it's different from when you're now 19. Yes. And when he was 19, Zuleikha begins to look at him differently. Mm. You know, he's no longer the 9, 10-year-old who's here. Now, when she's looking at him, she's thinking he's, you know, he's just matured into the most good-looking man you'll ever see. Mm -hmm. um, and it begins to get to her. And probably the most famous incident in the story of Prophet Yusuf is that one day, <coughs> husband's not at home, she's alone. And remember we said with the story of Nabi Nuh that Shaytan said, look, when you're alone with the opposite gender, know that I'm the third of the three. I don't care who you are. Mm. And sometimes truly you try and avoid those situations because we're, you know, a lot of us are weak and we know that if we're alone, you know, you're with the opposite gender, mm -hmm. there's no limits to what could happen. Yes. Especially when you're around a lady who's smelling beautiful. You're around a lady who's got the most beautiful eyes, who's wearing the most beautiful clothing. Mm -hmm. I don't care who you are, you know, and she wanted him. Mm. She's looking around, she's thinking, there's no one here. Husband's not here. I can't take this anymore. I'm a human being. Many times people imagine, men especially imagine that ladies have less sexual desires than men. Imam Ali says nine-tenths of modesty was given to women. Mm. And nine-tenths of desire was given to women. So someone, how could it be nine-tenths of modesty and nine-tenths of desire? Nine-tenths of modesty in their household, nine-tenths of, nine of desire within their household, nine-tenths mm -hmm. of modesty in public. Okay. But in the household, that lady, she can be free to wear what she wants. Yes, I find that there are some marriages which break when there's husband, wife, father-in-law, mother-in-law, grandparents, uncles, all living in the same house. That poor lady can't wear what she wants. Of course, yeah. You know, and, and the husband looks at her and he's like, well, she doesn't really look that beautiful. Well, she doesn't look beautiful because every five minutes she's got to think about your dad walking around. And, and so what you have in this story is that she's thinking, let me just wait until the moment where the Aziz is gone. The Aziz is gone. The Aziz was a very good man. He had okay. been good to Nabi Yusuf. And I think that's one of the minor factors, mm. minor factors that gets involved in why Nabi Yusuf makes it clear to her that I'm not going to do this. Because, you know, she suddenly jumps on Nabi Yusuf and says, have me now. 
smell my smell. And he says to her, come and smell my corpse after I die. That is bigger for me. She says to him, I'll make the bed the most luscious bed for both of us to sleep on. And he says, the beds of paradise are nicer for me. She says to him, look into my eyes and just see the beauty of my eyes. And he says to her, the eyes will be the first to be punished on a day when we're resurrected. She's thinking, I don't know what else to say. Like, you know, I'm Zuleikha. I've told you about my eyes. I've told exactly. you about my eyes. What's wrong with this guy? It's the yeah. biggest test because, look, the cameraman's laughing right now because he's thinking, you know what? <laughs> this Zuleikha has offered everything. And you know that there are guys out there who'll be like, which smell, which eyes? I'll be all over that. But we know very well that firstly, he's a prophet of Allah, mm. Maqsoom. And the Quran said, you know, he has that, that protection. Asma is a grace from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, truly. It's a grace, it's a protection. Um, that's the first thing. And the second thing is, he knows that her husband's a good man. Why, you know, why hurt the husband by mm -hmm. sleeping with the wife? Sure. And then he knows that there's a day of accountability. You're a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in public and private. Yes, yes. You know, in private, a person can easily sleep with this lady and she's a married woman. No one's going to know. You could continue to have, you know, uh, physical relations with another for years without nobody knowing. But mm -hmm. there's a day you're going to have to answer for that. Mm -hmm. uh, but you imagine when the husband walks in, the husband's baffled. Because here, Nabi Yusuf's trying to get out. Here, mm -hmm. the wife is trying to get Nabi Yusuf. And here, the husband's like, what? Now, you know... Arab husband, he's not having none of that. Exactly. Na'al, Sonda, you know, Ochia, whatever's available, <laughs> you know, Chifchir. <laughs> <laughs> so even, yeah, the Chifchir will come out, you know, everything will come out. And, and, and these guys were not having it. And he's like, what are you doing? What's going on? But he can't believe it's Yusuf because he knows Yusuf yeah. is as pure a person as you're going to get. Exactly. He also knows his wife is stunning. So what's going on here? And Yusuf makes it clear that it's not me. Mm. And the Quran says that there was a witness, an infant from her family who's, who, who, who makes it clear. Well, look at where the shirt is pulled from. You know, there's the whole discussion. Mm -hmm. um, if, it's, if it's from behind Zuleikha, then I'm running after her. But if it's from behind me, then she's running after me. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Nabi Yusuf realizes that, you know what? These guys, what they've accused me of, even if I'm let off, it's a gossip around the town. That Zuleikha is not going to let go of me. She's going to be all over me. She sees me as meat. She doesn't see me as human. And uh, he says, prison is dearer to me than that which they call me towards. Yeah. Now, Sayyidina, we're going to take a few questions from WhatsApp. Uh, this question is coming in from Kumail from Leeds. It says, Sayyidina, many youths will say in this sexualized society that Yusuf is masoom. How do we stay strong? Not easy. It's not easy at all. Who am I to say how you stay strong? I don't know who I am. Um, we all have a profound love for the opposite gender. Mm -hmm. Overflow of desires. Um, I suppose, you know, it's not easy at all. And... Nabi Yusuf makes it clear that, look, I could do this 
Well, there is the day of accountability. Mm. If something can be done in halal, do it in halal. But whatever you do, don't ruin the rest of your life and the hereafter doing something in haram. Mm -hmm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said there's nothing wrong having relations with the opposite gender. Absolutely nothing wrong. But do it in a halal manner. Maybe early marriage needs to be encouraged to safeguard this. So would you say early marriage should be done or is it that the person is too mature for it? Well, each case is different, but I mm -hmm. do think parents in this hyper-sexualized society mm -hmm. where it's so easy to be with anyone. You know, there are so many apps now where you literally have to just click and you can sleep with somebody in your local area just for what they call a quickie. Go sleep with them and then leave. And then you go onto the app again. Mm -hmm. There was an app called Tinder. And on this app, a person is able to put their profile picture and they're able to actually sleep with somebody there and then. Mm. Then they had another app because they felt that some Muslims weren't going on Tinder, so they got an app called Minda. And that's for Muslims. No no Muslims want to sleep with one another. Now, I don't know either tonight I'm going to increase the ratings for those two apps. <laughs> or people are going to have to come to the realization that, especially parents, that don't make early marriage difficult and then complain later on that I think my son or my daughter is going out with so-and-so and so on. We can't in our communities make marriage difficult for our youth who are trying to maintain their taqwa. Yeah. Now, don't you think that between the age of puberty and, the age, and when someone wants to get married, don't you think it's hard to stay away from sexual desires? It's definitely. It, listen, you, you pass, if you're Iraqi, you pass puberty at like seven. If you're any other nationality, you pass puberty at like 13 to 15. Mm -hmm. You get married average age, let's say 24, 25. What are you doing for 10 years? What, are you having cold showers every day? I don't think so. Some people said, you know, eat this and you'll be okay. I don't think so. You see how hot-blooded some of us are for 10 years? Some people resort to masturbating. There'll be people out there who are masturbating because they think, well, that's the only way I can satisfy myself. But masturbation is prohibited in the religion of Islam. So you've got... A problem there because the ones who want to masturbate now can't masturbate because it's prohibited. Then you've got others, for example, who want to be in adulterous relationship, but that's prohibited. So within Shia thought, you've got temporary marriage, you've got permanent marriage, mm -hmm. uh, all have their conditions, but there had to be a purpose for them. And the companions even of the Prophet, peace be upon him, his family, they would ask him that, can we temporarily be with somebody for a certain period? And he would say yes. You know, um, now there's debates about whether it was prohibited later or no. But we have Zawaj al Mut'a, Zawaj al Urfi, Zawaj al Misyar in, in the Sunni schools, Urfi and Misyar in the mm -hmm. Shi'i school, Mut'a. So these are things that may be options to stay away from haram. But I encourage that early marriage can solve a lot of these. Now, you mentioned that Prophet Yusuf says prison is more beloved to me than, uh, you know, what they want to instill upon me. Now, in prison, he meets two others. What do we learn about uh, in this interaction? What we first learn is, is that it doesn't matter if you're a prophet of Allah or not, you're going to be tested. Mm -hmm. And to be in prison is not easy. And anybody who spent a night in prison will tell you that. And he, he enters prison and so many people in the prison look at him and just wonder, how would someone like this get in prison? He looks like mm -hmm. the purest human you can ever meet. And two people in particular come up to him and they ask him about their dreams. They recognize that this isn't a normal person. And he has the gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being able to interpret dreams. Mm. So in being able to interpret dreams, 
they ask him the question that, look, one of them says, I see birds eating from my head. Another one says, I see myself serving juice. And Nabi Yusuf says something interesting to them. He says, listen, I'm going to tell you the interpretation of your dreams. First, let me tell you about God mm. and about the belief in God and how idol worship is wrong. Why? Because just in case there is one of you who's going to die, die on the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your mm. life would not have been a failure. So he tells the first one, the one who sees uh, birds eating bread from his head. This is a gift of the prophets yeah. that they're able to interpret this for us. He tells the first one who's got the, the, the birds in his head that you're going to be crucified. Mm. And that these, um, these birds will be eating bread from the top of your head. And as for the second one, you're going to be serving juice for the king. Mm -hmm. But more important than all of this, come to the path of Allah. Come to the path of God consciousness. Stop worshipping these idols. So that whatever happens to you, be you dead or be you alive, you will die on the path of Allah subhanahu wa Now, one of them was going to die. The other one was going to essentially be set free. We see in chapter 12, verse 42, it says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. And he said to the one whom he knew would go free, mention me before your master. But Satan made him forget the mention to his master. And Joseph remained in prison for several years. Did Satan affect Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam? No, 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 no. Satan affected the memory of that person to tell the king about Yusuf's story. Mm. Satan himself admits. In uh, Surah 38 from verse 82, I'll deceive all of them except the Mukhlasin. Yusuf is of the Mukhlasin. No way Shaytan can affect Nabi Yusuf alayhi mm salam. -hmm. Uh, when it says Shaytan made him forget, it made the person who was released, who would serve Jews to uh -huh. the king, who Yusuf had said to, please remember me. When you see the king, tell mm -hmm. the king that, listen, there's someone in the, in the prison here. He's a pure person. Mm -hmm. Shaytan made him forget. So, and how did he remain patient inside the prison? <sighs> you know, I think uh, seeing people come towards God, he was doing amazing tabligh in the prison. A lot of tabligh he was doing in the prison. And that tabligh, serving others, even mending people's shoes. You know, it, it really goes to show you just how much good work can be done in the prison system. Mm. And this is an important point. I think we're lacking in the prison system in terms of going out to help many of the prisoners, not communicating with them, not keeping in touch with them. There are many of brothers and sisters from our communities who are in the prisons, who nobody reaches out to, who nobody goes to visit, who nobody sends books to, and they just yearn for somebody to be in touch. So Nabi Yusuf السلام, he would be the one who'd be a backbone for many people in that prison. Mm. But then the king sees a dream. And if that person who was serving him Jews had forgotten, it's when the king sees the dream that all of a sudden, that person remembers, because the king one day, so you've had these two prisoners who've seen dreams. You know, this whole story of Nabi Yusuf has so many dreams. Yeah. Two prisoners have seen dreams. Nabi Yusuf is interpreted. The king one day wakes up. He said, I've seen the strangest dream. I've seen seven skinny cows eating seven fat ones. And I've seen seven good years of wheat and uh, produce and seven dry years. What's going on here? And, um, and... That person's like, hold on, the king just say he had a dream and he's confused? Hold on, king, I remember, there was a guy called Yusuf in prison. They go to Nabi Yusuf alayhi salam. Mm -hmm. And Nabi Yusuf gives the interpretation straight away. 
And he tells them that, listen, you're going to have some seven very hard years. <laughs> you guys are going to have to store up. When you got the seven good years, store up seven hard years, that storage is going to come in useful to you. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine when this king hears this, he's like, who's that? I want him to be my agriculture or economic minister. Mm-hmm. Nabi Yusuf says something to him. He says, wait, before you employ me in the political world, first go and ask, was it I who ran after Zuleikha? Or Zuleikha who ran after me. Seeking justice. Not just justice. I'm not going to enter politics with a black dot on my reputation. Mm-hmm. Because whatever good work I'll do politically, you'll always say you're the one who used to run after Zuleikha. Mm-hmm. And you're the one whose reputation is a bad reputation. Because you were the one who was willing to physically be alone in a sexual relationship yeah. In this person's house. So the king's like, all right, cool, cool, cool. You know what? I'm going to go and find out. And the king goes to find out. And, and Zuleikha admits. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make excuses for my nafs. The nafs, if you leave it alone, nafs al-ammara is different from nafs al-lawama, which is different from nafs al-mutma'inna. Nafs al-mutma'inna, all I do, like Ali ibn said, is before I do anything, I say Allah before it, Allah during it, Allah after it. Mm-hmm. Nafs al-lawama is a conscience self. My conscience, even when I do bad things, it still tells me, why did you do that? That's haram. Nafs al-ammara is something we never want to get to. And that is when we found haram normal. Mm-hmm. So when Zulaikha says, Zulaikha admitted, it wasn't him who ran after me. It's unfair. I ran after him. Only then, does Nabi Yusuf say, Make me the one in charge of the treasury, mm-hmm. for I am someone who has knowledge and someone who is trustworthy and honorable. Now, is there a lesson of, now going back to his brothers, uh, is there a lesson in Salat al-Rahm when we look at his interaction with his arrogant brothers? Well, yes, because when he does become that economic minister, And he works for a non-Muslim king. And there is nothing wrong with working in a government that's not Muslim. As long as it can help the cause of the Muslims, your position. Mm-hmm. As we see in the story of, for example, Ali bin Yaqteen with Imam Musa al-Kadhim that he was in the position with a, govern- with a Khalifa who was a Muslim, mm-hmm. but was oppressive. And the Imam tells him, as long as you can look after the interests of our people. And he begins to have this unbelievable position, Nabi Yusuf, where even when this drought has affected everywhere else, people start coming to Egypt because Egypt's got the storage. Mm-hmm. And the king of Egypt is giving out to the people because he has a just minister. Mm-hmm. When his brothers find out, Nabi Yaqub finds out, Nabi Yaqub sends the brothers. He says, I've heard in the land of Egypt, there is this very just minister. The brothers are like, yeah, we've heard he's very generous. If you're in trouble, he'll give you whatever you need. And subhanallah, when they get to him, he recognizes them. And when he recognizes them, they don't recognize him. This is often used when they discuss Imam al-Mahdi, that they say that we do not recognize him, but he recognizes us. Like the brothers of Yusuf did not recognize Yusuf. But did Yusuf recognize them? Yes. yes. Does that mean because they didn't recognize Yusuf that Yusuf doesn't exist? No. no. He exists. 
But when you see him, you don't recognize him. But he recognizes them. you. Yeah. Didn't show any hate towards them. Didn't tell them, you people ruin my life. You people cause destruction for my life. You people made me end up as a servant who was in prison for some, a crime I did not commit. Mm. But he saw his brother Binyamin. And he hasn't seen his brother Binyamin for so long. And when he sees his brother Binyamin, he wants to keep Binyamin for a bit. And he ensures that there's a goblet, which they used to drink from, kept in the bag of Binyamin. Makes an announcement, the goblet of the king's missing. And whoever's bag we find has to stay behind. <laughs> Where do they find it? Binyamin's bag. Binyamin has to stay behind. Nabi Yusuf tells Binyamin, his brother Benjamin, says to him, I'm Yusuf. And it's a difficult moment. But it doesn't cut relations with those other brothers. Mm. But whenever he'd hear people are going to Egypt, He'd say to them, go and meet a man called Yaqub, Yaqub. And give him one message. God's covenant is still alive. Subhanallah. And then he'd say to them, take my shirt. Because Yaqub had become blind. Subhanallah. How many prophets do we have who've become blind? We have Nabi Yaqub. Mm -hmm. Who else? Nabi Ishaq. Nabi Ishaq and Nabi Shu'aib. All of them okay. became blind. Mm -hmm. But in this case, it broke Yusuf's heart when he found out his father was blind. Yes. Now when Prophet Ya'qub became blind, why didn't he just do dua to Allah? You know, what does this teach us about wasila? If you want to pray to Allah directly to be cured, there's no harm. Mm -hmm. And Allah gives you the cures. But when you have a piece of cloth that has touched the body of a prophet of God or any cloth that comes near the body or the grave of a prophet or one of the imams of Ahlul Bayt, mm -hmm. then no doubt that can have an effect. I remember being by Jannat al-Baqi' one year in, 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 in the Hajj Umrah period. And one of these men, you know, who stands by Jannat al-Baqi'ah, they were looking at me and they were saying that you Shia, you're the ones who believe that this dust around the graves of Imam al-Hassan, Imam al-Zain, Imam al-Baqir, Imam al-Salaam can help you. None of this can help you. None of this can cure. You say the clay of Karbala, the earth of Karbala cures, none of it. You want to ask for a cure, Allah will cure. I said, I know Allah will cure. So why didn't Yaqub just ask Allah to restore his eyesight? Why did they have to put the shirt of Yusuf? That's very true. When they placed the shirt of Yusuf, it restored the eyesight of his father. Mm -hmm. And it goes to show us that there are certain artifacts, cloth, clay, which resonate with the holy personalities who have been chosen by God. Now, when Prophet Yusuf eventually meets his father, they prostrate to him. Now, is it true that he loses the light of Nubuwa because he stayed higher up than him? No, this is nonsense. It's a shame that it's still being taught in our mosques that, you know, the dream came true. Mm -hmm. That, you know, at the beginning, sun, star, moon, you know, the everything's 
prostrating. At the end it was Nabi Yaqub and, and the rest of them were prostrating, thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're able to come and see Nabi Yusuf. And people say that Nabi Yusuf, because he never stood up for his dad, Allah took the light of prophethood and gave it to Levi. Not at all. Nabi Yusuf is the most impeccable human being. The most honorable human being. Mm -hmm. From treasurer he becomes king because of just how just a human he is. And you think that when his dad comes in he would just stay sitting? I've seen people who are nowhere near Nubuwa, not even Ma'soom. When their dad walks into a room, they stand up. And you're telling me a prophet, Ma'soom, chosen by Allah, Sadiq of the people, Yusuf Ayyuha Sadiq, sees his dad won't stand up, not at all. They say that, oh, he didn't stand up and Nubuwa went in the line of Levi and so on. No, we reject this. Now, what was Prophet Yaqub's role in Egypt? Um, and, you know, when did he die and how old was he when he died? You know, those are good questions. He's well over a hundred when he passes away. Mm. He was a person who was offering advice. Anyone who had any issues would come and see him. Uh, used to pray on behalf of people. There were people who didn't have kids. They said to him, oh, Prophet of Allah, please pray for us. You know, so for, he lived for a couple of years after he finally saw Nabi Yusuf salam, And then he passed away. SubhanAllah. And did that king ever change? That king did change. That king became a believer. Yes, he believed. He said, I swear that there is only one God and that Yusuf is the messenger of God. So that king came towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, did Zulaikha change? And was there you know, any hint of marriage there? Zulaikha changed from the moment that she said it was me who ran after Yusuf. Uh -huh. Not him who ran after me. She came to the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And she ended up marrying Nabi Yusuf alayhi salam. Subhanallah. You'd think that we'd only make this in cinemas, but no, it's true. She ends up marrying <laughs> Nabi Yusuf. And Yusuf asked her, he said, what made you go after me like that? She said, she said to him, you're the most beautiful I've ever seen. And he says to her, if only you could see Muhammad. Sallallahu alayhi wa If only you could see Muhammad. Then you would say he's the most beautiful. And she said to him, the moment you said, Muhammad, I felt something inside of me. And I can only imagine how beautiful Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi is. I think that's where Hollywood get their inspiration from, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Now, what was his last will to the Egyptian people and which prophet does he foretell? Interesting. His last will is he tells the people of Egypt, you're going to go through a lot of hard times, mm. a lot of difficulties. Remain patient. There'll be a man by the name of Moses mm. who will one day come chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah. Ahsantum Sayyidina, thank you very much for your thank time you. tonight. My pleasure, thank, thank you. Thank you for that interesting, lovely story um, which can be found in, Prophet, in, the, in Surah Yusuf in the Holy Quran. Tomorrow, insha'Allah, we'll be looking at Prophet Ayyub alayhi salam. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah wa Thank you for listening to our podcast. We encourage you to look at our audio library for more content on Quran, ethics, lifestyle and spirituality. Imam Hussain TV3, your gateway to Karbala.